yeah, kicker and punter. Um, and Fozzie. Oh, I'm talking about Fozzie a little bit. Like the band or Fozzie Whitaker? Uh, the bear. The band is awesome. <laughs> I don't even know the band. It's Chris Jericho's band, isn't it? Is, is it? It is, yep. I knew he had a band. I did not know it was called Fozzie. Yeah. Yep. Named after Fozzie Whitaker. True story. <laughs> I believe it. Hello, welcome to the Fourth and Short Podcast, a uh, CSR podcast. I'm joined by John and Brad. Brad, how are you guys doing tonight? Great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and John. I agree. I agree. I, I agree with Brad's feelings on tonight. Good. 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 So, um, you know, eventful week last week with the preseason game. Obviously, the Panthers played the Jaguars and uh, made Hashtag that whole battles. Jaguars. Yeah. Made that Jaguars quarterback situation even more <laughs> difficult for them to figure out, as we've discussed. That's um, so funny how that how that happened. I love how it's the year of 2017, and it's breaking news that Blake Bortles is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Did anybody I, else see that? Yeah, I know. Well, the thing that's so funny about it, I mentioned it last time, was like, it's so funny that this is a quarterback battle between two quarterbacks that have been on the same team for four years. Like, it's not like they brought in a new guy to compete, and then they... <laughs> The, the the old guy usurped the new guy and then lost his job after one preseason game, which makes me feel like there's something else to that besides just football play. Like, would you guys think so? Like, there's like some sort of directive, like, hey, the fans for whatever reason like Bortles better. We need to keep them happy because they we need to do whatever we can to keep them coming to our games because none of them come to our games. Yeah, it has to be because there's no other way to explain how. Um, Blake Bortles beat anyone for you know the starting job because he's terrible. Uh, he he's broken, and I feel bad for Jacksonville fans that have to watch that because you know the better quarterback lost the job. Yeah, and it's not like I mean Bortles played well in the last few season in our last game, but it's not like he did well enough to warrant that single performance being enough to overtake Henny for the second job again, like, or for the starting well, job again. Yeah, plus he was playing in the second half. We yeah, had exactly. our, our backups in. So, you know, I mean, of course, a, the third draft pick should be able to beat the second and third string from another team in the preseason when they're not even really trying. And, yeah. I mean, it was raining, too. So, you know, everybody's main concern was, I don't want to get hurt and ruin my shot at making the roster. So... Of course, Bortles looked okay, and that's the sad thing is he he didn't even really look good. He just looked okay. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he's maybe he's not so terrible. Didn't you say that? Well, oh, go ahead, Brian. I was gonna say the one thing that you guys are forgetting too is uh, in weeks one and two when Bortles was out there for the Jaguars, he was getting booed in the first quarter <laughs> by their oh, fans. Was he? So it's not even like a directive of like they like Blake Bortles more. It just seems like they're like, well, we already hitched our wagon to this guy. Might as well uh, 
Yeah. Might as well burn with him. Yeah. Well, it didn't because I was just I was just uh, when I said that I was didn't Brad didn't you say that you were looking at Big Cat Country their 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 blog and the writers very anti Blake Bortles but a lot of the comment section was pro Blake Bortles. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. The the writing staff are all like, you know, Blake Bortles sucks. We should find somebody better. And the comments are like, no, he doesn't. We he we can build around him. Like, uh, have you watched him play? Like, <laughs> he's pretty bad. I mean, I'm not a quarterback coach or a quarterback guru or any of that crap, but Blake Bortles is pretty bad. And <laughs> I don't see him getting any better. I mean, it's not like this is his first year in the league and, you know, oh, well, he'll get better with time. No, he's pretty much what he is. And the worst part of it all is Jacksonville has to pay him $18 million guaranteed if he gets hurt. Which is why it's weird that they're throwing him out Which is why it's weird that they're throwing him out there. They should wrap him in bubble wrap and mail him back home yeah. because – and if I'm Blake Bortles, I would probably try to get hurt on purpose. <laughs> like, and it doesn't, I, you know, just a minor thing. Like, I wouldn't like dive head first or you know at the wall or something. But just for I would, you know, break my foot, break my arm, do something that that could heal. I was gonna say just like have somebody way like overstretch your hamstring or something. Yeah, something. I I, I think I would find a creative way to cash in on that eighteen million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I, he was on um I was, I heard him on a podcast and he interviewed and it was like right after he got the uh the fifth year option exercise and the guys were like congratulations on getting your fifth year option exercise he's like uh yeah yeah thanks guys it's like man he he sounded so resigned like yeah they don't want me around much longer <laughs> it was just like the oh, tone of voice. like you would expect somebody to be like hey man congratulations on the 18 million dollar contract you just signed and they'd be like yeah man so pumped about it, and you're just kind of like, eh, yeah. They just kind of <laughs> did that to cover their butts. Oh, God. I mean, he didn't say that, but you could tell with his, you know. <laughs> he was he apprehensive. Yeah, yeah, he was very, he was not very excited. Like, he, he was very resigned to his fate. Well, thankfully, as as a Panthers people, you know, we don't have to deal with that kind of crap anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had our turn. So. Yeah, so uh, obviously preseason game, you know, Cam Newton played one series, did well, pretty much all we were looking for there. Um, so I guess we'll just go with the impressions there. Uh, I'll start with you, John. Who did you who impressed you the most in uh, the Jaguars Panthers preseason game? Um, I'm gonna. How about this, uh, John Stewart? There you go. <laughs> he he showed that he actually like, he made, he had a couple of good runs. Um, on that first drive as a whole, the whole first unit too, um, I was, I was talking to people and it was like, you know, I, I cannot find a single thing to nitpick or complain about on that opening drive with Cam Newton in there. Like nobody missed a block. Nobody missed a whole a receiver. Cam didn't miss a receiver. No running back missed a hole. It was just kind of every, every play worked. Everything went exactly as planned and couldn't ask for a better drive. It's funny how a how a how a over the hill running back like that does so well. You know? Yes, it's 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 you would think that running backs that are just kind of okay would absolutely never have a big run ever. Like it would be nothing but three yards every single play. <laughs> I'm not I'm not changing my opinion, but he did play well in in his <laughs> limited time. Sizzling. It was well, you know what the the most the most impressive play on that whole opening drive to me 
was when Christian McCaffrey got the ball. It was third and two. And there's a highlight video of it on Twitter because he basically made Paul Puzlesny look like a scrap heap linebacker. Was that the first drive? Was it the first? I thought it was. It might be. I'm about to. I'm gonna go back. Continue. I missed the first drive. So anyway. Well, anyway, in my world, it was the first drive. (laughs) Um, But he juked him out of his shoes on third and two, and he got he got three yards, and it kept the drive going. Uh, yeah. You know, know exactly at the end of the day, it's a three-yard run, but it should have been a one-yard loss, and he turned that into a three-yard gain. And I, it's things like that that are that are going to be valuable for the Panthers this year. Um, but to answer Brian's question, uh, I was most impressed with the offensive line. I thought they looked phenomenal in the opening drive, and it's nice to see that we finally have an offensive line that can actually protect cam newton and open lanes for jonathan stewart and christian mccaffrey to be able to gain yards you know we haven't really really had that for quite some time so it looks like every every piece of that puzzle has finally come together i can agree with that um yeah mccaffrey's run was one of the more impressive uh three-yard runs you'll ever see yeah i can i can agree uh brad with the uh your assessment of the offensive line it's something where like I think a lot of people have been apprehensive because it's the preseason, but in three in three straight showings, the first team offensive line has looked really, really good. Like, and that's against defenses that aren't exactly like scrubs when it comes to like the defensive line. I mean, like the Titans were one of the better pass rushing teams last year. The Jaguars have a bunch of really good pieces on the defensive line, like Calais Campbell, um, uh, who's that guy from the Broncos they got now, um, Lee Jackson. Malik Jackson, yep, yep, Dante Fowler. Uh, you know, they have – it's not like they have any pushovers on the defensive line either. And yeah. the Panthers' offensive line has hung with those teams, and it's very impressive. Um, <clears throat> so I have given, two answers. Oh, yeah. Oh, My only, have they, have, somebody said it, and I didn't fact check, so I'm going to assume it's true. Um, they haven't given up a sack. Like, Anderson and Webb haven't been sacked yet. Is that yeah, no, Gilbert's the only guy that. who's been sacked. Yeah, Gilbert's the only one. And that's what makes the Derek Anderson thing so sad. It's not like he's being <laughs> blitzed every play and having to make a, a quick snap decision. He's had time. He's had, you know, two, three seconds to make a decision. He just always makes the wrong one. <laughs> and then when he does make the wrong, the right one, the ball doesn't go to the right place. Yeah, it's like it's like he doesn't know where he wants to throw the ball. It's Yeah. yeah. What's your, okay, Aunt Brian, your, your takeaway? I had a, I have two guys I want to mention. Um, one of them is like actually matters. The other one probably not. Um, they all matter. So first, <laughs> so uh, first guy I want to mention is Kelvin Benjamin. My God, man, he was he's been impressive this preseason despite Derek Anderson hap, hapless Derek Anderson throwing to him most of the time. Like yeah. this is a this is a version of Kelvin Benjamin that I haven't seen since before his ACL injury. Yeah, he looks he looks ready to go. I think I put it I, I put it in a comment a comment somewhere. I don't know if you saw it. Um, for the preseason, I read your comments. Better not. They're not any good. Um, <laughs> I think he's pl- played like roughly a game's worth of snaps, probably without actually you know counting just judging based on how much he's played. And um, he's gotten he's caught eight t- catches on eight targets for like 107 yards and two touchdowns, something like that. Yep. And it's, yeah, that's what I would call pretty good. 
Yeah, the eight for eight targets is especially impressive because he's that's has been his his knock for his first few years is that he's not efficient. Like his catch rate's not been great, which I think some of it is just that he get, he's down the field so much. But you know, it's nice to see him really in, you know contested catches and making plays with defensive back and getting getting a lot of space, which is a, a new thing for him. He's getting open. Yeah, he looks like he's uncoverable, which is something that we haven't seen from him, like Brian said, before his, or since his ACL injury. So yeah. hopefully we're getting the Kelvin Benjamin that we thought we were going to have in 2015. Yeah, the one where that got everybody extremely excited because of how well he played in his, the preseason game against the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, because well, that was the same Well, play. even in practice, too, because he yeah. made Josh Norman look like a freaking child many times in practice. Like, it's not really an easy feat. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that he's, the confidence is there and that's like the biggest difference is that he's physically, he's physically healthy. He's, you know, at a good weight for his size and he's confident he's playing like, you know, he's playing with a purpose rather than trying, rather than battling frustration of, you know, I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite health, not, not quite a hundred percent returning from my ACL. So, um, the other guy I'm going to mention is, uh, Zach Sanchez, um, that was the first real good performance I've seen from the kid. Good pick. Uh, yeah, that pick was fantastic. Like that, that was just an over. That was just a nice heads up play. You know, he jumped the route, was able to make a pick out of it. Ended up almost taking it for a touchdown. Like that's that's what they drafted him for was those kind of plays in college. So, do I think he's going to be a contributor? Eh, maybe not. I mean, it would you would hope he's not just because of the fact that. You know, there's at least three corners in front of them that you want to keep healthy. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that keeps you around the NFL. You, the, where you win and where you, where you succeed as a younger player like that, you know, I think he really pushed ahead of the rest of the guys behind them with, uh, his, with his play in that. And if that's something that he can bring to the table in a, an actual regular season contest, if they need him to, that's, that's very valuable. I have a question for you guys. Of course you do. What's up? How did he intercept that, catch that pass? How did he intercept that? Like, what happened? I've, I've been trying to figure that out, too. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. It was like, he like hit the receiver, like, in the hands, and I, that was, like, the last thing I saw, and then Sanchez, the next thing I see is Sanchez gets up and running with it, and I don't know how it got from where the receiver had the ball near them to Sanchez catching it without him being touched down by the receiver. Yeah, so, I, I still haven't seen that. It's, I, I thought he was A, I thought he, he picked the ball up off the ground. <laughs> and B, I thought he was touched before he got I thought up. for sure he was touched. I did too. So cool. here's what I saw happen. Sanchez jumps the route, gets his hand on the ball pretty much simultaneously as when the receiver catches it, keeps his hand on the ball somehow, rolls through, and ha- – and, uh, rips the ball out all while the receiver is still standing mind you um like the receiver never hit the ground before he lost possession of the ball so like it was a clean interception like i saw the inter- i saw the play and i was like what the what the heck man like you know it he just it was in like one fluid motion like while flipping over managed to, to like rip the ball away from the receiver but it was one of those plays where it was just like perfect timing on his part i wonder- like if you ask him how he intercepted it, if you would have the same answer as just me and Brad, I don't know. It just kind of I don't know. <laughs> got up and the ball was in my hands. 
So I just ran. Don't know how it got there. Kind of like the interception a few years back with Colin Jones, where he like ran through an Eagles wide receiver and somehow <laughs> came up with the ball. Yeah, sometimes it just kind of finds you. I mean, it was a great play on his part to be where he was, but uh, it's just, yeah. it's, I have no idea. Like, it was just, there's bodies around it, and I don't know how it ended up in his hands. Yep. One other thing I wanted to mention, um, it's not it's not as impressive as a player, but more an exciting thing. I liked how much we tried to give uh, Curtis Samuel the ball. I don't know if that was yeah. just because he hasn't played or practiced at all, and we were just trying to, like, you know, accelerate his his adjustment to the team. But I liked the idea of give the ball to the guy that's really fast as many times as you can. Yeah, it, it didn't work out. If, if you look at the box score, he had like, I think it was seven catches or seven targets, four catches for like eight right yards here. or something like that. It didn't uh, look good on paper. I got you but right here. It's uh, four catches on six targets for 15 yards. 15 yep. yards. Okay. Yeah. It, it you know, it, it didn't look good on paper, but I agree with you. I was glad to see that they kept going to him because they're going to find ways to get him in, involved in in space, like Christian McCaffrey, too. And it's going to be hard to stop. And I, I think we finally have someone who can run that double reverse trap play that we used to always run with Jericho Cotchery. We actually have somebody who can do something with the ball when he gets it. He can run and more than eight he yards. He can actually run more than five or six yards, yeah. So it, it's going to be fun to watch. You, you have to remember, too. You have to remember, too. <laughs> yep. You have to remember, too, that uh, their playbook is, like, you know, kind of hamstrung right now because they're not trying to show anything. So, like, a lot of what Samuel was running was really basic stuff to get him open. Um, he did have a couple of plays where it was, like, bubble screens and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the plan is with him just because, you know, bubble screens are as far as screens go, one of the more basic plays out there. Um, but yeah, they made a concerted effort to get him the ball and it's clear that they want to see what he's got going on there. He may be a little more involved in uh, the week four preseason game. Hopefully, you know, Derek yeah. Anderson can actually hit him in the, in the hands when he throws him the ball. But there was, there was yeah. one play where Samuel did do a very good job. He like caught it with his body and it slowed down his momentum on a bubble screen. But for the most part, as much flack as Cam gets for ball placement, Anderson's has been less than great in the preseason. Well, at least Cam throws it in the general vicinity <laughs> of the player. I mean, he'll overthrow somebody, but my God, Derek Anderson is throwing. Like, Benjamin is just an example. Benjamin is on the left side of the field, and he throws it at, like, the freaking midfield logo. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, like, nowhere near where it's supposed to be. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because as much as another Cam comparison, Cam gets uh, the thing that people repeat without actually knowing what's going on is that he can't throw with any touch. But you can, but then in this preseason, Anderson's thrown okay-ish when he's putting the ball, like, on a line of people. But as soon as he's been – like, all the passes he's tried to loft – other than that touchdown to Benjamin in the first game, it's been like he just kind of flut, just fluttering up there, and it has no chance of getting anywhere near the receiver he's trying to throw it to. You know, I have, I have, I have a little bit of a vent I have to do real quick. Go for, you for guys, it, just because, just because I I got into it, and I, I'm sure you guys know I have I'm, I've become decent friends with some of the people over the Falcoholic, and because yeah. they're not they're not terrible Falcons fans. Um, <laughs> For the most part, they're pretty realistic. But I was getting into it today because this guy mentioned the whole, uh, you know, North Korea fired a missile over uh, Japan 
and he compared the missile because it was, you know, accuracy wise, I don't know, but he compared it to Cam Newton's completion percentage. So I was like on Twitter, I was like, bruh. And I, <laughs> um, what really drives me crazy, like with the narrative about Cam Newton is uh, people's people like they just forgot about 2015. Yes, I think completely. like. Like, yeah. they say, oh, he can't throw with any touch. Like, that that man placed a ball between three defenders on the Falcons team, and Ed Dixon caught it. Like, that, and then... Like, I still were... cannot believe he made that throw. <laughs> I've seen that play, I don't know how many times, and it's been two years since it happened, and I still can't believe he made that throw. That's, you it know what, blows my mind. That's not even my most impressive can throw, either. In my opinion, no, it's not. The other one, I, the one, I still threw, can't believe he did it. No, the the one he threw because this is even more of a touch thing too. The one he threw to Ted Ginn against the Saints on Thursday night last year to end the half, where he was like surrounded in the pocket and he dropped it like on the back line of the end zone, and Ted Ginn caught it as 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 he went out of bounds from like fifty yards away. Yeah, like. That's the one they originally called not a touchdown because yeah. they thought he was out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, were, to be fair, it was Ted Ginn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, that's the ref's thought. Like that, he might have caught that, but there's no way Ted Ginn caught that incomplete. Yeah. It yeah. also another good one was the um, the one he threw against the Seahawks in the playoffs again to Greg Olson at at the end of the half to put him up thirty-one to nothing. Yep. That that was an amazing throw too. Greg was double covered on that play mm-hmm. too. But you know, let's let's well, forget about all that. You know, mm-hmm. let's look at completion percentage. The one that the one that really got me was uh, against the Giants um, in 2015. There was a play where he threw he threw a ball on the run just over uh, Jason Pierre Paul's missing finger. Um, <laughs> now, now, like, if we're, now, if we're being fair, if he had all his fingers, it would have gotten tipped to the line. But like that was like my definition of a touch pass. Like they, mm-hmm. it was thrown in a way where it went over the receiver and dropped into the or over the defensive end and dropped into the receiver's hands. It's like, okay, so he can make throws like that, but he doesn't have touch on his passes. Are you kidding me? Like one, one of my favorite, one of my favorite gifs on the internet. God, (laughs) it's two parts. The first part, it's Cam Newton and he throws a ball right into Ted Ginn's bread basket and he drops it. And (laughs) underneath it, it says accuracy. And then the next part, the guy, I don't even know who throws it, but he throws the ball, and it kicks off of the defender's hands and goes up in the air, and the Ooh, receiver the catches it in the end zone. It's a Colt. And it's, it's Andrew Luck. Yeah, the and it says, yeah, and it says underneath that, completion percentage. Yep. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Cam cannot improve his completion percentage when he's throwing to Ted Ginn, Philly Brown, and pre Kelvin Benjamin hobbled Kev- Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, when when the quarterback puts it right in your hands and you drop it, it it's a knock on the quarterback's completion percentage, but it's not his fault. Well, that's why I like um, Key and Fahey stuff so much because he actually knows what he's talking about because he actually watches every single throw from every single quarterback, and he is thing and he can be kind of annoying on Twitter, but he thinks highly enough of Cam to put him as one of his best quarterbacks in the NFL because. What he sees that nobody else does is that Cam, one, his receivers give him no windows to throw through, and all of his he throws the ball down the field so much with all sorts of pressure coming around him because nobody could we can't protect for him or we haven't been protecting for him.
he still somehow manages to make the offense work, basically single-handedly. Yeah, he um, that is the one thing that the article that he brought up where he was mentioning that uh, you know, Cam Newton is essentially Steph Curry, like uh, yeah, because you know people were like, well, Steph like Steph Curry's percentages are you know, moderately low, but he also takes, like, these insane shots that he manages to make at yeah. times. And it's like, Cam does the same thing, you know? Like, he hits, like, he can hit Greg Olson for a one-on, for, like, a nice one-handed catch that keeps the game going. He can hit Ted Ginn in the back of the end zone 50 yards down the field. You know, it's, he's not, he's not the most, he's not Aaron Rodgers when it comes to, like, ball points, no. don't get me wrong, but he's, he can make those, like, Oh, throws. So it's better than he gets credit for. Did you have anything more you were venting about? Because we got things fairly really sidetracked. Or did you kind of get everything? I mean, we're yeah. No, that, that was it. It was just a matter. Of, you guys brought up the whole touch pass thing, and I was just like, oh, that 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 reminded yeah, me about um, fans for other teams being like, he can't throw. One other thing on Cam that Brad's been Brad's kind of uh, been fighting on this battle. Uh, he got who ranked him like end of like bottom of tier two quarterback. Oh, ESPN. Yeah, of course they did. Was he behind Carson Wentz? I'm not 100% sure. I can look, though. <laughs> I'm sure. Just, just Carson Wentz. I don't think he was. The ESPN love child. Yeah, I, I don't think he was. I believe it was. Um, yeah, I remember we talked Number about one it. was Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. They which were tied is, for number one, is which fine, is yeah. fine, whatever. Ben Roethlisberger was number three. Which is uh, LOL. Um, yeah. You home, know, Home Ben Roethlisberger, yes. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, number three, number one, actually. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger on the road, twenty uh, seventh. Yeah, something like that. Um, but Andrew Luck was in the top ten, which I still oh my God. do not under freaking stand. Like um, it's just more for the. What, what I don't of understand it. about it, and it bothers me to my core. Andrew Luck has been hurt for what it seems like twenty five years now. His entire life. His entire life, he's been hurt. And that's fine. I understand it. Their offensive line sucks, yada, yada, yada. He gets hurt. But when ESPN, NFL Network, whoever talks about Andrew Luck, well, he's hurt. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. Why isn't Cam getting the benefit of the that's, doubt? Yeah, that's the issue. Like, I have and no the problem. Cam thing. was hurt last year, too. Cam had... A, a concussion, a another near concussion. He had uh, a shoulder injury. He's had ankle injuries. He's had this, that, and the other. And he never – he was throwing to Ted freaking Ginn, people. <laughs> but he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. It's his fault that Ted Ginn can't catch, yeah. even though Ted Ginn has, has never been able to catch, ever. Ted Ginn has never been – Ted Ginn has been best with Cam Newton as his quarterback. Yeah, exactly, and that's the sad thing. The the Ted Ginn that we had in Carolina is the best Ted Ginn there has ever been, and he's still mediocre. But oh. it's Cam's fault that he can't catch. I have no problem with Andrew Luck being considered a top-ten quarterback. It's just like you said, if you're going to say he's top-ten quarterback, even though he, last year he had these injuries and he's missed time and all this stuff, then you can't take away from Cam when he said that. It's, it's basically like both of them are in the same similar circumstances, but Andrew Luck gets a pass for it. Cam Newton gets blamed for it, basically. What, exactly. that, what, what frustrates me about the whole Andrew Luck and a Cam Newton narrative now is like, 
you know, a few years ago I could see it because like Cam Newton wasn't all that successful either. Yeah. But like they still regard Andrew Luck as like a top ten quarterback. But of all time. in similar situ in similar situations, Cam Newton has delivered and brought them to the playoffs, the NFC championship, the Super Bowl. Yeah, one wins. of those two has an MVP award and a Super Bowl appearance, and it's not meanwhile, Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the other one is like still hasn't done really anything. I mean, like, and but he's still considered a better quarterback than Cam Newton, despite the fact that now, you know, in 2017, the one's got a lot more accolades than the other and a better win percentage. But you know, nope, Andrew Luck, the golden boy that the Panthers fans that Panthers fans all across the United States should be pissed about because they couldn't actually because they couldn't draft him you know like yeah, yeah well see and that goes back to another thing we've talked about before with with Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey uh with Andrew Luck and Cam Newton they can both be good you know it, it's okay no they can't it, you know it's okay if both of them are good we can say that Andrew Luck is good and Cam is good it doesn't have to be well we think Andrew Luck is a top 10 quarterback so Cam Newton automatically sucks you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's the frustrating thing. But another issue I have with that stupid ranking, you know, Cam is 12th, and that's fine, whatever. If you want to put Cam 12th, there are not 11 quarterbacks better than Cam Newton in the NFL. I don't care what you say, there are not. No. Um, Eli Manning was ranked ahead of Cam <laughs> Newton, which is laughable. I just yes, laughed at got, it. Yeah, he has two Super Bowl rings, but that was, you know, several years ago, and his defense won those games for him. Uh, Matthew Stafford is ranked above Cam. That's not – well, uh, and breaking news now with Matthew Stafford, he's now the highest-paid player in the history of the NFL. Um, He got a five-year deal. Definitely deserves that. Yep. Yeah, I think it's like $26 million a year or some crap like that. It's like – it's outrageous. Yeah, but he's not making NBA money. Yeah. I think it's so funny that now, basically from now until the rest of forever, um, the highest paid football player of all time is going to forever be the last quarterback that signed a contract extension. Yeah. Doesn't matter how good they are. Like the next yep. one's good. But um, what was, there's some other thing I was going to say about that. Oh, the Cam Newton Andrew Luck thing is a great example, like a great little kind of example of uh, people hanging on to their original opinions on things despite evidence to the contrary like cam newton came in as a very controversial like something could be good something could be awful he's demarcus russell or vince young maybe and then angela came in as you know tom brady joe montana and despite them having very similar careers angela is much more widely regarded as good like you're very hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't think or that does think that angela sucks not hard to find somebody that thinks cam newton's bad you only have to leave panther fan base to find people who think cam newton's bad yeah, exactly, and that's the worst part. Even Panthers <laughs> fans see that he's bad. You know, he's your quarterback. Yeah. Uh, your I'm not trying to tell anybody how to fan, football. by the way. I'm not doing no, that. No, 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 no. If you, you can think fan sucks, however you want to fan, but okay. your opinion is wrong. How <laughs> no. many How many Panthers have won the the MVP award, too? Like, come on, guys. Like, just knock it off. I'm going to go – my guess is zero. Am I right? Yeah. The, ah, yes. Well – well, aside from Cam Newton, that well, that's what I mean, zero once, besides yeah. Cam Newton. That's what I was, that was, yeah. The yeah, the only person who ever came close was Steve Smith. Yeah. We like that guy. But, though. you know, 
you know, yeah, Cam Newton right. sucks because he won because he he won the MVP award and brought the Panthers to a Super Bowl despite having a bunch of number three receivers and uh, a, a mildly okay offensive line. Yeah, yeah, you know, and an offensive coordinator that's a little eh, not the best. Yep. He's fine as long as the it's just the opening drive of the game. I mean, have you ever noticed that the, yeah. the first drive of the game we're really really good. It's like Mike Shula knows how to create that first fifteen plays on the play card, but he can't do anything else. Like yeah, after the defense has said, "Hey, we need to do this," it's over. You mentioned that in a uh, like somewhere, and I was like, and I thought about it. Like, you know, you, yeah, you're kind of right. I remember in 2015 in particular. We had some insanely high rate of scoring on our opening drives, and like we were—that's like we were always. That was part of why we were so good was that we were always winning, like to start the game off. Yeah, and then and then the same thing here in this Jacksonville the game against Jacksonville, marched right on down the field, and then after that, for a while. To be fair, they took their starting quarterback out. Yeah, that tends to that tends to uh, tends to derail an offense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. But speaking of uh, Jacksonville, to go back to uh, all that after we went on our little Cam Newton love fest. Um, so fighting the good fight. So obviously now it's week four and we're in a new we're in new territory here in the NFL, because instead of it of going through the 15 guy cut, roster cut down then to the 53 now it's just a straight 53 which uh i read an article today in the on nfl.com they were talking about how like a lot of the gms and uh owners are like man we're gonna have a busy weekend ahead of ourselves after this um so biggest need for carolina right now looking at the current roster is going to be some safety depth do you think they're going to roll with who they have there or do you think they're going to try and find somebody else they're going to roll with what they have because that's what they always do. Yeah, I agree with that. I, would, I mean, we're not just going to bring in a bunch of safeties. I mean, that's not what we do. I think we might sign – we'll have like a practice squad spot that we'll sign a cut that wasn't ours to. That might be a safety. I'd be surprised if we come out right out of the gate and sign a safety the active roster. That's not on the roster right now. Yeah. Which they would they would probably try to make Zach Sanchez a safety before they went out and signed one, <laughs> which I, that, which isn't a terrible idea. That reminds no, me. No, it is. I did want a very terrible idea. <laughs> I no, want, it's not. It is no for real. Like Sanchez is not a a good run support defender. Like he's oh, that's a good point. He's 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 got the obvious like semi. He has some form of ball hawking skill, like free safety, but he's not fast. He's not. He's not fast. He's not physical. Like you need the Panthers' safeties, especially like I said, like they they function well. Like the la- over the last five six years, the best groups that Carolina has had at safety have essentially been two guys who could play strong safety on a given day. And Zach Sanchez is just not that. He's not like <laughs> He's very, okay. Well, let me safety. let me ask you this. I'm not saying let's put Zach Sanchez out there with with Kurt Coleman, you know, and start. He's got to be better than Colin Jones. Uh, mm, mm. <laughs> I know that's saying, not saying You're not much. saying no. You're not saying no. I mean, but. well, he, Jones presents a bit of a different skill set, though. Like, granted, you know, he looked like crap against the Titans. I'll give you that. But he has been there and played safety for Carolina in the past and not 
shit the bed. So Colin Jones also has the benefit of um, all the mistakes he inevitably makes. He's fast enough to make up for them quicker than Zach Sanchez. Exactly. Maybe so. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. But no, I. You might be right though that our odds are that we would try to make one of our cornerbacks a safety before we sign another safety. But my money would be on Worley if that was the yeah, case. My that's yeah. something I wanted to mention though because I see it a lot when we when people talk about roster cutdowns and they say I don't know if we're gonna be able to get sneak this guy through to the practice squad. I don't know if we're gonna sneak this guy through the practice squad. And you know, as fans, we have such a hard time saying like, man, who are we, who's are we gonna keep on this team? Who are we gonna get down to fifty three with? Um. We're not the only team that is in that situation. Everybody's like, man, I don't know how we're going to get these 90 down to 53. They definitely are going to be like, man, how are we going to get these 90 down to 51 so we can pick up two other players we haven't seen at all in the preseason and put them on our active roster? It's, I feel like it's, it's much rarer than a lot of people think that somebody gets picked up off of waivers from the, the last Yeah, round the only time it really happens is if somebody gets hurt. Yeah. It's like, like Buffalo has to had to get a quarterback because they they have two quarterbacks in the in the concussion protocol. Yeah, you know that that's the only time it really happens. Well, like and then well, well go ahead, Brian. I I was gonna, I actually kind of disagree with what you just said to be honest because prove me wrong. Now, granted, this is this is in regards to Dave Gettleman, which is obviously not the Panthers GM anymore. But the the one example I'm going to call back to is Kevin Norwood. So. Uh, Obviously, he didn't pan out for Carolina, but he was somebody that they were heavily looking into during the draft. And as soon as it came time where uh, the Seahawks were probably going to cut him, they traded a conditional pick and got him. Like the the scouting departments out there for the Pan- for the Panthers and every other team are keeping an eye out on other talent. Like there's other guys like specific, like another guy I'll bring up who ju- just happened today. Reggie Raglan traded from the bills to the, to the, uh, uh, chiefs, bills trading you know, everybody. like it's, but that's, that's something where the scouting departments are keeping their eyes open. Yeah. Like I think it's being a little bit downplayed. Like the scouting department's not just sitting there watching college tape all year. They're there to also find other guys that are good for the team in Carolina. I mean, like I said, again, this is, this was the Dave Gettleman regime, but almost every year Gettleman found like veteran safety depth before the season even started, like very close to when the season started, like Quentin Michael, uh, who was it last year? Uh, that one scrub from the Titans, uh, Michael Griffin. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see like a veteran safety. Who's like definitely over Hill and definitely on his last season or so in the league to be picked up. I mean, it's something, especially now, like there's so like every team is going to have what you're cutting down from 90 to 53. That's, well, that's what? 30, 37 people. So hitting, yeah. Say. 37 people, a team hitting the open market. Like we're going to see movement. Well, like it's like, I was going to, well, that's what I'm saying though. Like from our team, from uh, the Panthers roster right now, the Panthers practice. Club. So there's, there's 31 other teams. They're all cutting like 37 people. That's what like, 1,047 people that are getting cut. Um, no. 1,184. 1, okay, that are getting cut. Um, the odds that one of our, like, of all those people, and then you add ours in too. Oh, you counted ours. That's why you're number seven. Um, that somebody's going to pick one of those guys up to replace one of their, like, last cuts on their team is not super high. So, like, if we want to put 
someone like, I don't know, Brian Cox on the practice squad, he might get poached eventually, but I wouldn't, I don't think very many people are going to fail to make it through that initial cut down. I very, I don't remember very often any of our players getting, that are like our final cuts getting claimed before they made it through waivers. They might get signed eventually, but like, I know Gaffney did, but. I was going to say, the reason people are the way they are over this mm. is because of Tyler Gaffney being taken by the <laughs> Patriots. Yeah. that That's why people are so scared of losing someone on the practice squad. Which was which is funny, though, because when that happened, it was like, man, this like it was so surprising because, like, man, that never happened. But I think, yeah, seeing that it's a thing that has happened before and that it's possible, it's kind of – it's got people spooked. Yeah, well, it happened one-, one time in 22 years. <laughs> The one time, the one thing that I'm going to say, and I'm going to continue to play devil, devil's advocate here, is a team like uh, the Lions, for example. You brought up the Brian Cox example. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lions are really desperate for pass rushers right now. Yeah. Like, because they have two defense, two of their starting defensive ends are going to be, you know, most likely not playing week one. And so for them, it's like a team like that, they can afford to ship off somebody else in order to find a defensive end that may contribute for them. It's like we, we do like, you're right. You know, like every, not a lot of teams have, have that same problem where it's like, we have to get rid of somebody who's probably, who's talented. Yeah. But there's some teams that have a real dearth of talent at certain positions. I mean, like the Patriots are another good example. Like they, they have, they had to drop, they dropped Coney Ely, despite the fact that he was essentially slated to to be today. Yeah. Yeah, they they dropped Coney Ely despite the fact that with Rob Ninkovich retiring, Ely was slated to be a heavy contributor on that on that team. Like, so it's one of those things where it's like you. It just depends on priority, obviously. Like you know, a a, a pass rusher is going to be more of a priority than a safety. Yeah, but I at do the same agree time, with that. But at the same time, Carolina has two safeties who are pretty good, and the rest suck. You know. I've seen the thing is is that the the reason I bring that up is because. Throughout the last couple of weeks, when I've seen people, you know, talking down to like who they're gonna keep on their fifty-three, I've seen names as far as Garrett Gilbert, uh, Kalen Clay, um, Demir, like no, not Demir Bird, Kalen Clay, Brian Cox, um, like Ben Bulware, like basically almost everybody that's like on the bubble. I've seen people say like I don't think they'll make it to the practice squad, and I say at most one of them wouldn't make it to the practice squad. And I'd probably put my money on Gilbert just because a lot of teams need quarterbacks right now. There's no one out there, too. No one out there that can play quarterback. But that's – we've had that discussion before. And I read that – I read something today, too, where it was like all the teams that have quarterbacks are hoarding them and all the teams that need quarterbacks don't have them. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's kind of true. I mean, like, Carolina's in a really good situation because they have – three potentially four quarterbacks who all do decent in the scheme like yeah you know like the Patriots have Brady Garoppolo and Brissett look not terrible when he played meanwhile the Bills have one quarterback who's healthy right now <laughs> yeah and yeah and then you have yeah and like the uh the Dolphins had to sign Jay Cutler out of the broadcast booth and yeah it makes me wonder why New England hasn't traded Garoppolo yet because they could probably get a first rounder for him if they really wanted one, because there's three or four teams that are desperate and I are wonder, willing to do whatever it takes to get someone. And Garoppolo has shown that he's pretty good. 
I think I, he's off the table at this point. I wonder if they if they're just they just they're trying to keep him and they don't know how much time Tom Brady has left. Despite Tom Brady saying he's going to play till he's like forty eight years old. They, yeah, they, that, that's not going to happen. But uh, you know, I, I think they could trade him now and use that first round pick if they theoretically got one, and they could draft one of the guys next year because next year's quarterback class is deep. Yeah, and then they could have a, a guy ready to go. Because Brady's probably got two or three more years in him because he never gets hit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going to take – if you're going to gonna trade someone like Garoppolo, you need to maximize his value. And now's the time to do it. Yeah. Maybe teams have gotten wise to the whole, like, uh, Patriots have a good backup <laughs> quarterback to Brady. The Brian Maybe Hoyer, we shouldn't trade Matt for him. Castle. The Brian Hoyer, Brian Ryan Mallett, Mallett yeah. Matt Castle. Yep. And 0 for 3. Yeah, Brian Hoyer has somehow managed to be the best of the three of those. Yeah, but in all seriousness, like on top of that, like a team trades for Hoyer for not Hoyer, uh, Garoppolo right now. Like you've only ever seen him in limited action in the Patriots scheme, so he's got to acclimate to whatever scheme you're running, which is definitely not what Bill Belichick's running. Um, yeah, does Bill Belichick plus, have a scheme? I feel like his scheme is just like whatever the other opponent is the worst at, which is why the teams are always good. Well, that's there's, pretty much what it is. Yeah. That he looks at whatever the opponent does bad, and he just he adjusts his game plan to exploit that weakness. Yeah. That's why one week you see Tom Brady throws the ball seventy times, and then the next week he doesn't throw it, but you know twice. Jonas Gray is for two hundred yards and four touchdowns, and then gets yeah, cut two and later. it's week to week, and that's why you can, uh, except for Tom Brady, and well, not now, but Julian Edelman. You cannot trust a Patriots player in fantasy football for that very reason. Okay. Their defense too. You can trust their defense, but you never know. He's either he's either going to get two hundred yards and four touchdowns, or he won't even touch the ball at all yeah. the whole game. And you never know. Well, I was I was so funny a couple of years ago. I know this is completely off topic from what we're actually supposed to talk about. But Jonas Gray had that game where he had like two hundred something rushing yards and four touchdowns against the Colts, and it's like everybody get Jonas Gray, and he didn't even play like the rest of the year. Yeah, yep. and, and then he got cut, and the Dolphins picked him up, and he got cut, and he's basically like never played. He's never been seen again. He had that one moment, though. Yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about <laughs> roster cuts. Yeah, yeah roster cuts. What? Yep. And I was going to say, my 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 thinking on it is, you know, fans are like, I don't know if this guy's going to make the roster. I don't know how many, you know, we're struggling to find how we're going to get 53. I mean, yeah. Ron Rivera's probably already got, out of the 37 guys that are going to get cut, he knows 35 of them. Probably. I mean, it's there's like two guys that have a shot to make the team. And it's probably Kalen Clay and Greg Van Roten, the offensive lineman, and maybe the um, Cox, the defensive end. That's probably it, the, the three at the most, that have a shot to make the team. Everybody else, he knows who he's going to cut. Yeah. He knows who he's not going to cut, and he knows who's going to be on the practice squad. He's just waiting until Saturday to do it. My, Which sucks for us because we're gonna be balls to the wall on Saturday, keeping up with all this crap. What um, I have Jackson's um fifty-three man roster prediction. Did you guys look at that, or do you have it handy? Yep, I, I looked at it. I can call it up on my phone real quick, so we can. Uh, all I, I did look at it. I was just gonna say it'd be the easy way to go, so so we keep people on on CSR and just go through and say, I, I or I could see we could just uh take turns. Let's list off all of our fifty-threes. I think that's some, com- <laughs> that's some compelling radio. But uh, <laughs> I'm looking at um, 
Jackson's, and I think it's. I thought he pretty much, pretty much nailed it. Um, the only thing that I have to say in regards to his that I disagreed with right now mm-hmm. is, um, I think Daryl Young is going to make it over Alex Arma. I disagree. I think Alex Arma is going to make it. But I think this. The reason why is that Alex Arma can go to the practice squad and. Daryl Young can't, and Daryl Young's gotten more snaps with the ones, and Daryl Young's gotten more reps with the ones. Like, yeah, but I like I Alex think he's... so much better as a fan. I do too. I, I like his versatility, <laughs> and he signed the gnome. <laughs> and that those are fair points, but um, I mean, like, you're looking at it like Arma. If he comes in, if he makes the roster, he's going to be involved right away. Is he ready for that? Like, is he? I think he had so. That one. He had that one touchdown and that like one decent block in the preseason game, but like Daryl Young is like a proven NFL starting fullback. Where y- Arma just started playing fullback for the first time in a long time for him. You know, I like well, su- yeah, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you're right. Alex Arma did. He had a nice uh, catch and run um, on Thursday night too. He's got a lot more burst than I expected. He, he does. He's he's like he is athletic. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, is he plays he plays a position that the Panthers like to use in that H-back role. We had Richie Brockle on the roster for what seemed like 20 years because he did the same thing. He can yeah. line up at tight end and fullback, and that's two positions that one guy takes up. That gives you the flexibility to keep either, you know, we could keep both Fozzie Whitaker and Cameron Artis Payne, or we could uh, keep, um, either Kalen Clay or Brenton Burson, along with the other five wide receivers that are on the depth chart. Well, above first them. of all, first of all, you're you should rescind that and say we can keep Kalen Clay, <laughs> and just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hey, Brenton um, Burson. Question: Is he injury prone? He's been hurt two weeks in a row. Uh, I think no. he is. I think no. he is. Nope. He's injury prone. Nope. Of course, at the same time, I think it could be a case of targeting because the other team knows he's like the <laughs> nucleus of the Panthers. So they know if like it's like if you bite the head off the snake, you kill it. Yeah. I think that's what they're doing. They're taking <laughs> out they're taking out the head of the snake. Yeah. It, but it's, well, yeah, it's a good point. Both of his injuries were on like the same type of play where like a safety came over the top and tried to help on a, on a long pass and just sneak in a little cheap shot at him. Throw Don't worry. Into his thigh. First person will be back and he'll, uh, he'll hashtag make Charlotte shine again. <laughs> so my thing with Alex Arma question for, do you guys think maybe we keep two tight ends and keep, consider him like an H back? So we have, instead of having Olsen, Dixon, Manhurts, the, we have Olsen and Dixon and then Arma and Young, all four as like tight ends. Like Arma could double as like a fullback slash Tight end, put him on the end of the line in the goal line packages and stuff. I think so. Which, I think that's how our second. Well, and then usually when we do those three tight end sets, we have two. We're using a third tackle and two tight ends anyway. Like we very rarely have all yeah. three tight ends on the field. Yeah, we stick Chris Scott out there at the third tight end. It's not like we put <laughs> the third tight end out there. It's the people. jumbo package. So the really jumbo package. That's why they do Chris Scott. Make the package and Taylor as Moten. big as possible. Taylor Moten would definitely factor in as like a third tackle in that yes. situation. Oh God, I would love to see Taylor Moten line up at tight end and catch a touchdown pass. That would make my that would be the best thing ever. Um, I love I love offensive linemen touching the football in general. It's always I do it's too. Always good fun. Well, the best part too, as far as uh, the tight end situation goes, is I'm pretty sure Manhurts would qualify for the practice squad. Probably, and I'm pretty sure I think Simonson. 
I don't think Simonson would, but at the same time, he can. He kind of strikes me as like a Wes Horton type, where like you can have him on speed dial and re-sign him at any time. Yeah, too. nobody's nobody's flipping over their couch to get to the phone to call uh, Scott Simonson to make the right. three. Sorry. Yeah, Scott, no, I mean, listening. I could definitely, I could definitely see that happening with Arma and Young. I mean, like Arma seems to be a little more of like a little more dynamic than young at this point, but yeah. young has obviously the proven pedigree is like a pretty good fullback in the NFL. I mean, he blocked for Alfred Morris and back when Morris was like, you know, a thousand yard rusher for the okay. Redskins. So I could totally see that happening, especially since Arma, we've seen him line up as like an inline guy in the H back. Like you guys said, um, how much he'd be used on game day in the beginning. I don't know, but yeah. Especially with how much Carolina lines up is going to be spreading the ball out, like running the spread and running the uh, out of the shotgun. But you know, Arm is going to have value on special teams, and that's the part of the reason why I wasn't willing to say that Young. Like, I'm going back on what I did with my depth chart projection because I thought that Arm would be going ahead. But after all, what I've seen with, from him in the preseason and stuff, Young is Young has been heavily involved on special teams, and that's something you can't really downplay with him. Yeah. The other thing, the other one I want to point out, and uh, it's also a special teams thing, that I feel bad for. Uh, I feel bad for Fozzie, because Cameron Artis Payne has played really well, and it's kind of that thing we've talked about with, you know, other players getting um, disliked because we want we don't want them to be better than our players. So it's like the better that Cameron Artis Payne does, the more ire Fozzie Whitaker gets for just, like, not being Cameron Artis Payne and potentially taking Cameron Artis Payne's roster spot. Which is unfair to him because Fozzie is a useful player. Um, yeah, I keep seeing people say on on CSR, "What does Fozzie bring to the table?" Uh, he brings a lot to the table. He was like, <laughs> he, he was he's the third consistent. string running back. He was you know? most consistent, like like with Stewart getting hurt last year. Like Fozzie was the most reliable running back we had last year. Yeah, I, and I, I understand. I understand that we have Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel now. But Fozzie still brings value on special teams. Now, I don't want him returning kicks. I will say, I looked this up today. Um, he was like very, he was like right in the middle of the pack in terms of kickers or, or returners who had more than um, more, more than like ten or eleven kickoff returns. So he's not good, but he's not bad. Like he's not he's, terrible, but he's also not good. He's we not can dynamic. Do uh, yeah, that's I would never. I would not say like why are we even bothering with for kickoff returns? We have Fozzie. But, like, he's good enough at it to be worth, you know, keeping around in case we Samuel is tired or we need to give somebody else back there that won't fumble it. The one yeah, exactly. The, the one thing I'm going to say is um, between Cameron Artis Payne and Fozzie Whitaker, it's not a one-to-one comparison. I no. mean, like, Fozzie Whitaker actually, like, here's, here's the way I look at it. Fozzie should be the primary backup to Christian McCaffrey, as in that role. Like... Mm-hmm. The guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, move him around, you know, he's not going to do it nearly as effectively as Christian McCaffrey, but we've seen what Carolina has tried to do with him, and it's worked. Like, there were a couple times last year where Fozzie Whitaker was wide open on a wheel route, and Cam Newton just missed him. Now, granted, the protection being having, you know, defensive ends in his face before he could get the ball off certainly had an effect on that, but, like, the concepts are there for Whitaker to be successful in Carolina's offense. He's just not nearly the receiver. He's not, you know, top 10, top 15 material when it comes to being a slot receiver. He's just no. a fast guy who can run some, who can catch some passes. 
There's just um, there's something to be said for a guy that like has been around for a while. He can do a little bit of everything. He might not be great at any of it, but he's he can cover on special teams. He can return kickoffs. He can tackle. He can go on the coverage unit for kickoffs. He's on the coverage unit for punts. It's it's he's he can build a running back if you need him to. He's just he's just a little. He's a utility piece, basically. Yeah, and Cameron Ars Payne on the flip side, while he's you know he's got some decent speed too as a running back, but he is probably the only other power back on the roster who doesn't play fullback at this point. Like, so he's a pure like a two down running back, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, even then, like he, you know, he had he has looked really, really good in the preseason, like better than I've ever seen. Yes, honestly, with him, like so. You know, I mean, you got to keep that guy around in case John. Well, we know Jonathan Stewart's good for two, three, four games off, and it's like, yeah, McCaffrey's going to be really good, but he's not. You don't want McCaffrey taking twenty-five to thirty carries a game, or twenty-five to thirty touches with receptions too, because they're just going to wear him out that way. Like Cameron Artis Payne is that guy you mix into like, yeah, to spell him into like yeah, that, the defense. That, that's why I've always thought it was weird where we're talking about Cameron Artis Payne versus Fozzie Whitaker for a roster spot. We're essentially should be saying Cameron Artis Payne versus Fozzie Whitaker for the third running back spot because they're both going to make the team. They should. There's no yeah, question. I would hope so. Yeah, I they mean, both should. Yeah, I would. If, they, if I were the in charge, which yeah, you be, know, they would be both cut the team. third tight end. We don't yeah. need three tight ends. We have. Um, we have Armagh. We never use a third tight end. If Ed Dixon or, God forbid, Greg Olson, something happens to one of them, you know, we can call Scott Simonson or Chris Manhurts and, you know, bring them back in. It's not then, like they're going to be going to another team. And then so, uh, if it, in, in that game, if like Ed Dixon were to go down, we just throw another tackle out there. It basically functions the same anyway. Yeah, exactly. We you know we don't we don't need a third tight end on the roster because yeah. you know with Scott Simonson last year, how many times did he dress? You know he he was always one of the did he? the six or seven that didn't even get a, a jersey on game day. I don't even think he was on that. Was he even on the team by the end of the year? He might not have even been on the we team. Had man hurts by the end of the year. You know, yeah. I have to disagree though. Like the Panthers did dress three tight ends most of the time. We dressed them. I just didn't think we used them very much. Yeah, we didn't yeah, use them. But, they, but special teams, oh, that's, that's, the, that's the thing, is special teams. is like, because I, I don't care how many tight ends or how many fullbacks you want on the roster. If Greg Olson's out there on special teams, you're doing something wrong. So <laughs> that's the only... I would that's love the to only, see Greg Olson on special teams. Just the way he runs it would look so funny. That, that's the only attitude I have <laughs> yeah. against, uh, against the you whole, bro- like, let's not have two tight ends thing. But... Greg Olson runs like he stole something from his kid brother and is trying to get away from him before his grandparents catch him or something. He's got like the oh shortest. He has the shortest strides for a six foot five person I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, he moves quickly, yeah. but it's just so choppy and so like compact. Yeah. But then he somehow manages to also be the least nimble person ever in terms of changing direction. I always love when when like Olson like makes a catch along the sideline like ten to fifteen yards away from the end zone and like. You just see him essentially straight line it, yeah, into into out of bounds because like he just can't change direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, he's he's like the yeah. uh, the the turning ability of a cruise ship. <laughs> like I wouldn't want to get in front of him, but no. if I was like next to him or behind him, I'd be like, ah, oh, this is fine. It's like an alligator. As long as you're not directly <laughs> in front, you're safe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, 
There's one. Well, other... we need to talk about the biggest battle. Yeah, in training I was just camp. about to say We're that. We're talking about the roster. I pulled. We got to talk about Graham Gano versus Harrison Butker. I, I pulled up the comment um, that I left on the 53 man roster thread, so I could share it on here too. Because we totally want to hear it. Yeah, it's yeah go super, ahead, share. It's, I've it's already read it. I actually, I'm glad you did the the legwork on it because I didn't want to. Yeah, it was a waste uh, of time, but I'm glad yeah. I did the two. <laughs> Brian, did you see it? No, I didn't. Okay, so the the com- topic of conversation has been: Is Graham Gano is bad? Graham Gano is bad when the games are close, and that's kind of like the 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 anecdotal, you know. Just kind of like that's kind of what the eye test says. So there's a debate today that says Graham Gano is this is his percentage when the game is with, when the final margin is within seven points, and it was like and it was bad. It was 72 percent, very very bad. And there was this this debate. Well, like how does that compare to other people? So I compared it to like the top 10 kickers in terms of volume. Like just I just, just I was like I'm just gonna get 10 kickers. I'm gonna say the 10 kickers that made the most field goals this year. It's a pretty random sampling. Yeah. By far. For their careers, so that the sample size gets thrown out, of the 10, he is by far the lowest, least accurate kicker when the final margin is within seven points. Extra points and field goals. So his, he's 72.2% uh, accuracy when the game final margin is within seven points. Very, very bad. The only one the only... other one that's below 83, so he's 72. The only one below 83 is Dustin Hopkins, who's been on two teams in two years. So, the only question I have in regards to that is, is that including his time with the Redskins? Yes, it's correct. Okay. But so he's been bad here, too. I have somebody else said, since he's been here his five years, 75, 80, 71, 82, 63. That's so not encouraging at all. It's the same as it's been. It hasn't gotten any better since he's been here. All right, that's fair. No, I, I, just, ha- I just wanted to ask because I know that was like the big thing with him when he – when yeah. he came here was his whole thing was like, well, and Washington, the field sucked and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, the I don't other- know. It's, it's, it's tough because like kickers are, they have so much of a mental game going on. Like, <clears throat> and we saw Graham, Gano like lights out in 2015. That's yeah. like what drives me nuts about the guy is like, <laughs> we, is that like, we've seen him perform as like an upper echelon kicker. But then all of a sudden we get 2016 where it's like you get you you see him miss field goals that he was nailing the year before. It's like so. Yeah. So I don't disagree. You know, like, I, I mean, honestly, I would have liked to have seen Carolina invest in somebody other than like a seventh round kicker. But, you know, I like would, if Butker takes it, whatever, like here's, here's, then I can make a, a nice fantasy football name. Here's so. my thing. So like like uh, the other thing I mentioned, so he's 72 percent. Next is 76, and it's a kicker that's a journeyman somewhat. And then next is 83. Extra points, he's made 95% of his extra points. Also not good. There's Steven Hauschka's also 95. Everybody else is over 97. So he's like, not only is he below everybody else, he's significantly below the field in these close games. The other thing that I've seen is... I mean, I've seen his, I've seen like four different PATs blocked, though. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised that Hauschka is as bad as he is because he seems like he's a pretty good kicker. Well, his yeah, his kick, extra points in particular, his kicking number. Yeah. Okay. That but, that's um, odd. The other thing that's the other like kind of you know talking point on that is the touchbacks. That Gano is like a guaranteed touchback. Like he's like the best kick, one of the best kickoff guys in the NFL, and that is useful. But 
on that front, kickoff the touchbacks coming out to the twenty five kind of devalue that ability to you know get guaranteed touchbacks because you know twenty five. Yeah, you want to you want a kicker who kicks it to about the one or two yard line, mm-hmm. and you want your coverage unit to get down the field before they can get to the twenty. And before that's what you want. And every but before you say, but the Carolina special teams are so bad. Why would we do that? Last year, obviously the sample size was small because we didn't have a lot of kickoffs returned. Best team in the NFL kickoff coverage, Panthers were. Not so good in punt coverage, but no, yeah, not good. Not as good in punt coverage, but kickoff coverage, best team in the NFL, eighteen point one yards per return. So, I think it would almost. So, yeah, you want you want somebody to kick it to the one, and yeah. that eighteen point yard, point one yard average puts them at the nineteen. So. Yeah, and you take that risk that you might have you might give up one kickoff return touchdown. No team gave up more than one kickoff return touchdown last year. So like. If you do give up that touchdown, it's just one. Yeah. But touchdown. I would happen. I would rather I would rather take the statistical average and yeah. pay the, the six yards of field position because that's that's a lot. Yeah, six yards per that can drive add up. adds is more yeah. than giving up one extra touchdown on a kickoff return. Which like so it said, sounds like you guys are firmly in the Butker corner. I would. He's just I yeah. am, but I am for a reason that we haven't even talked about yet, and it's money. And I know that one of the arguments is, well, Jr. doesn't spend money and all he's going to do is pocket the, the salary cap savings and go buy himself a new boat, blah, 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 whatever. <clears throat> Who gives a shit? I don't care. When you have an opportunity in, an, in a modern NFL franchise to save money that can be rolled over into a salary cap to, play, to, to pay another player at a more important position, you do it. Like yes. Greg Olson. Like Greg Olson. But, yes, I know that the the counter-argument to that is that the kicker is one of the more important players on the team because he scores the most points. I understand that. But it's not like we're we're getting rid of Adam Vinatieri and signing me. I mean, yeah. it's – you know, Graham Gano is decidedly mediocre. You can look at the numbers. They're there. They're, they're, it's proof. He's mediocre. And if Harrison Butker is mediocre or worse, or if he's mediocre, then you save two and two point eight five, two point nine five million dollars, you know, net because you take, you save like almost four million dollars by cutting Graham Gano, and then you have to pay Butker, so it balances out to like around three million dollars. But but Graham Gano is funny on Twitter. He's very he is a funny yeah, guy. Yeah, he is very funny on Twitter. I'll give him that. But um. If Butker is mediocre too, then it doesn't matter. You save the money, and then you can put that money towards Greg Olson. Or and three million dollars pays for half of Thomas Davis's contract extension, so it can be used. Now the problem comes in if, if Butker is worse, and if he's worse, it's not like there are no other kickers. I we mean, probably just sign Graham Gano again. You could probably go get Graham Gano back because nobody's going to sign him. I mean, we could sign Roberto Aguayo. You know, I mean, <laughs> he was a second Aguayo's round draft pick. Oh, he'll get cut. Um, but didn't he miss his first kick with the with Bears? The, he he Such did. Confidence. His first extra Such point confidence. by the Bears was missed. <laughs> but um, Jesus, yeah. poor guy. I'm so, I feel bad for him. Yeah, I almost feel bad for him. I but feel bad for him. Uh, you know. But, you know, if Butker's bad, then, then go get another kicker. It's not like there aren't any more. And then if he's good, then you keep him, and he's cheap. 
at least for now. He's cheap for the next couple of years. And I, I just I don't see a reasonable argument to keep Graham Gano. I, I really don't. Unless Butker just is terrible in, in the next preseason game, which in that case they're going to keep Gano and it doesn't matter. But Well, I'll put it this way. Based on what I've seen from like Bill Voth and like the uh the coverage from the Panthers site, it seems like Gano's gonna beat him. I'm sorry guys. Um It's okay. I it doesn't matter to me. I don't really <laughs> care either. But the big the main event though, the main event of week four, Andy Lee versus Michael Pilardi. That apparently is a very close match. And I know I know you, BW, love, love, love your punter battles. So tell me what you think of that. I like Andy Lee. I think he's probably better than Pilardi. But I also know that Pilardi is a lot younger, a lot cheaper and can be around longer. I think Andy Lee's only got it like a one or two more years on his contract. And Pilardi, we could have him for three, four, even five years. So, well, the one thing I'm going to bring up before, like, well, after you mentioned that about Andy Lee potentially being better, Pilardi has actually outkicked Andy Lee in the preseason. Oh, really? I haven't... They, they both have, they both have about the same amount of punts. Um, I want to say Lee has five and uh, Pilardi has six. Pilardi has dropped four inside the 20 and Lee has dropped two inside the 20. And Pilardi's net punting average is actually higher than Andy Lee's. Wasn't Andy Lee hurt? He's still nursing. Isn't he nursing a sore hamstring? But he's still, but he's punting though. That's the yeah, thing. but he's, he's still punting, punting on a sore hamstring. So I, I know, but like that, that probably the skews like, the numbers a little bit. Now I'm not saying that that what you're saying is not true. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I honestly think they're going to go with Pilardi. Get that lefty really? punter. Also, I will yeah. say, even if if the excuse is that he's playing hurt, um, he's still going to be hurt when the season starts. You just got to take who's going to be better. What doesn't matter who what the reason is that he's better. You just got to take who's going to be better for the team. But yeah, get Pilardi, do that Patriot style, take the lefty punter, put that weird spin on it, and get some muffs. Yeah, the other I, thing think, about I it, think they're going to go with him too. I, I just, I think Andy Lee's going to get cut, and it's going to be hilarious because the draft pick that we traded for him hasn't even been drafted yet. It's a 2018 fourth rounder, and you know the guy that we traded for a fourth round pick for isn't even going to be on the team before. It's this is like an NBA trade. Yeah, like I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> But like, it's you like know, the that's Nets. just the way it goes. It's like the Nets are giving the Celtics. Well, I guess now it's going to Cleveland, but the Nets are giving up a first round pick this upcoming year for players that are none of them are in the NBA anymore. Yeah, like all like they they're giving up a, the the they're giving up a first round pick for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry. All of them are retired. And that's basically what we're going to be doing with Andy Lee, giving up a well, first round pick for a punter that's not on our team potentially. Fun fun fact, real quick before I forget it. Um, so Andy Lee's punting average, while you did mention that he's hurt right now, is not that far off from his normal punting average. Um, while Michael Pilardi is averaging roughly 44 yards per punt, which is second in the NFL in the preseason. Really? That seems like a low yeah. number to be second in the NFL for the preseason. Yeah. Well, you have to remember there's there's the gross punting average and the net punting Oh, wait, was that net punting that you just said? The net, the net yeah, punting the net, average. The oh, net, net yeah, that's good. The return. 
Yeah. Because gross thought that was... punting average is like, for example, like Andy Lee's 70 yard punt from last yeah. year. <laughs> like, you know, no, the the net punting average is about 44 yards or something like that. For okay, good, like yeah. it's not, it's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. I thought, like, I thought you yeah. said 44 was his gross punting average. And I thought that, was, but yeah, no. that's, that's a very good net. Yeah, that so, would yeah. have been that would have been you said forty four. I believe is what it was. Let me it's, pull up the uh, article I was looking at. But that would be second or third best in the NFL last year. Jesus. So. Um. Yeah. yeah, Bill Voss was the one who wrote the article, so let me pull it up real quick and just make sure that I'm not. It's BS. Oh, it's that. actually it's actually thirty four. Well, been awful. I'm all, what I that. want to know is is Pilardi. Is this yeah, so, what he is, or is he just having a run of good luck? Or, you know, because well, Andy Lee's been consistently one of the better punters in the NFL. So, so Pilardi has six punts for 44.7 net average. Yeah, that would be second best in the four, NFL. Yeah. So, apparently, according to the article, he's been like, like toe for toe, kick for kick with Andy Lee since the spring. Mm hmm. So, like, I mean, <clears throat> granted, that's not, you know, a regular season's body of work. But that's a long time to be, like, delivering like that. So, I don't know. I mean, we I was pretty impressed with Pilardi last year during the regular season when he took over for Andy Lee. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like there's a high, there's a real, there's a realistic possibility that Andy Lee ends up getting cut. Despite the fact that his, like... The only, the only thing that the only thing I have to say about the money thing is that Andy Lee restructures contract where he's only p- being paid about a million dollars each year for the next two years. That makes him an easy cut. <clears throat> well, but they but he was going to make like four million a year. Yeah. So like now it's not as much that's, about like you factoring in the cap about it is not as big of a deal. It's a wise move on his part. If you think you're on the bubble, just say, I'll take less money. And then like, oh, now it's a little closer. Yeah. To take that salary cap savings option off the table. Right. Anything else? Yeah. I don't think there's anything else. That the we thrilling punter battles. We've resorted to talking about punters. <laughs> I think we're done. There's no, nope. no other games to talk about. Not like the Panthers are playing a game this week or anything. That's worth noting. I mean, they are, but it's going to be all the, the, you know, third, second and third stringers just trying desperately to I mean, cling I, to a roster spot. I, so. I will ask one question about Thursday since I, I'm curious what you guys think. I have my own opinion, but do you think Cam Newton plays at all? No. I think Given he plays that one he series. played anything so, but except for one series. I think he's going to play one series. I don't think he'll that's play what it. I think too. I think they'll put him out there in, in the first opening drive, and then that's it. They'll put him in bubble you know, wrap and wrap you know the up. Zach Sanchez of our group would disagree with us too. I I'm an unbiased uh, party here. I take both of your sides equal equally. Uh huh. I do. I'm no I'm no contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. <laughs> I mean, us millennials are contrarians too. That's just a given. So it's, it's I've been a contrarian advocate. the entire show. So yeah, just devil's advocate. Um, yep. I enjoy the last preseason game just for the fact that like it, you can watch the Panthers, but it's kind of not really the Panthers, and you have absolutely no emotional investment into the game whatsoever. And yeah, and it doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> I mean, it's 
The only thing you're hoping is that nobody important gets hurt. Which they're usually not playing to begin with, so. Yeah. Yeah, anyone who is, like, the top 30 on the roster, especially Mm. with the 90 still being there. Yes. Hell, in fact, the the, the 53 that are going to make it, they shouldn't be playing at all. (laughs) That's that's, that's, that's how you know who's not going to make it. We've talked about that, I think, a couple episodes ago. That's how you know where you stand is if you play in the the last preseason game. You you need to bring it because you're probably on the bubble. Yeah, exactly. That's not true because Brenton Burson is an all-star in the week four of the preseason. <laughs> so That's why he makes the team. He makes yep. that last impression. He always does. So the other thing I'm excited about that we'll do next week um, is this is this fan takes from the other side, for those of you listening. Um, yes. I, I, that's going to be so fun. Going through, uh, like next week when we get on, we'll go through, look some through some of the 49ers previews for the uh, – week one of the season, see what their fans are saying about the upcoming game, and we can point and laugh and see what uh what everybody thinks. Because that always is fun to see what people think from the outside, because it's usually really, really wrong. But it's the 49ers. I mean, that's sad. They, Don't talk have... too much about the 49ers, because they're oh. like 8-2 and two in the last 10 years in their season. I opening. saw that. That was amazing. They, 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 they're like, they've won six, in, six opening night games. Yeah, and they're, they've won the last six season openers. Now, they implode after <laughs> that, but they're really good on the in the first week of the year. Yes. <laughs> when no one knows what to expect from them. Yeah, yeah. They, they won last year. Remember last year, they beat the Rams like what? They shut out the Rams. Yeah, that. and everybody's yeah. like, oh, maybe the 49ers won't suck, and then they didn't win again until they played the Rams again. You there? No, I just said the Panthers came out oh. week two and beat the shit out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, opening early NFL seasons, good good times. Nobody knows what's going on. All right. Well, I think we got it covered for the most part. Oh, um, yeah, it's a long one today. Yeah, we uh, we ran a little bit long today. So, as always, John and Brad joining me, getting some nice analysis and uh. Some hot takes going, especially with punters. So appreciate your time tonight, guys. And uh, thanks for joining us for the 4th and Short podcast. You guys have a good night. You too. Or day, Later. I guess, depending on when you listen oh, yeah. to this. All right. Yeah, it'll be, yeah. Have a good day. <laughs> See you guys next week. Have a good time. All right.